Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today we are here with WEI.com's Scott McLaughlin. Scott, what is up? Not much, Evan. How you doing? Thanks for having Good. me. Good. Yeah, of course. I'm glad to have you. It's been a minute, uh, but you, you've always been a loyal. Whenever I've needed someone, you've always been more than happy to jump in, and I want you on more, so that's uh, I think that's the big thing, um, but uh, happy to have you. It's uh, always your summer. Gotta get rid of Connor Ryan. Kick, kick him to the curb. See ya. Goodbye. Yep, exactly. I one yeah. BU alum for another BU alum. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No, my summer was good. Uh, pretty, pretty relaxing. Didn't really do anything too crazy. I went up to Winnipesaukee a couple of times, but uh, yeah, it was it was nice. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, there was a, it's funny. I think it was opening night. You had a take on Twitter um, that I. I feel compelled to bring up and to kind of hash out here because I think it's it's interesting. You have for a long time, correct me if I'm wrong, but for a long time you've been someone who've said who said uh, no more Kerncraft 400 for the goal song. You want do you want you want something different, right? You want each player to have their own. Uh, I think I've I've like been quietly have felt that way. Uh, I haven't been super vocal about it, but. Yeah, I kind of just think uh, Zombie Nation, Kerncraft 400 is a little outdated. And, you know, they, they've had it for a long time, and I understand tradition, but with this already feeling like the start of a new era for the Bruins this year, feels like it would be time to switch that up, right? Like, they got the new jerseys in, Bergeron Krejci retired, it's turning over to the, the Pasternak McAvoy era. Just feels like it's a good opportunity to kind of change up everything, the the garden's gone turned over in recent years. You got this black is true. seats now instead of yellow. Like everything else has kind of changed and been updated, and and that's still there. And uh, you know, I would say the the reception to uh, my tweet about it was overwhelmingly supportive of keeping the song. <laughs> so I'm I'm clearly in the minority here. But yeah, you know, I've I gotta say I've never been like the biggest fan of it, anyways, and. It just sort of feels like stuck in its era. Um, and obviously what set this off was the whole, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs changing their goal song, getting rid of Hall and Oates. And that's sort of turned into this whole like mini, actually not even mini, just like full blown drama up there with all these different choices that they're, they're trying to cycle through. So, you know, maybe I should be careful what I wish for because uh, the, the Leafs seem to be having a, a heck of a time uh, 
trying to get everyone on board with changing theirs. Well, they'll ne- I don't think they'll ever do that successfully. It's if 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 the Maple Leafs are turning against each other, I think we are happy. So I think it it accomplished something. It's interesting because I I agree with you from the standpoint of it's a new era, right? New things, new jerseys, uh, the Garden, obviously Hub Hall. Tim Thomas, I think, was even saying like, you know, last time I was here, none of this was here, uh, yeah. which is a stark contrast from you know what the Garden looked like ten years ago. I've always loved it. I've always loved the song. I think there's a there's a a magnitude to it. You know, it's a big moment. It feels big time. Um, I know you disagree with me on this, but it just feels important. And it's one of the goal song. There were a lot of goal songs that other teams would use. You know, like there were like five or six. I feel like in the two thousands that everyone kind of went through or used. I've always loved this one. I hope they keep it. I love the idea of a smaller market team or a non-original six team doing the players pick their song. But I was watching the Sabres. Uh, who'd they play the other night? It was nationally televised. Um, They're playing someone. I, I, I forget who it was. Um, And Jeff Skinner scored. And it was, you know, the high school musical thing. And it's cool and it's funny, but it's like in a big moment at the end of the season or in the playoffs, like, do I really want to be hearing that? Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound like a thousand years old because it is funny and it's like good for Twitter. And I feel like someone my age should have the same take that you have. But I just, I love the, I love Zombie Nation. I'm good with that. You know, it feels big. So that's my take on it. I don't know. Yeah. I, also, I think the, like the individual players thing, I don't know if I love that idea like long term, but it, it would be sort of a good intermediary as you try to find the next, the next full-time song is like let let players have that and maybe you do that for like half a season or something but that that is also a way to you know bring some sort of individuality into it like obviously you know i think of like baseball like every pitcher has their song when they come out of the pen every hitter has a walk-up song um you know obviously like there's not really anything like that in football or basketball but you know it, it could the Good. Patriots so, could have individual yeah. touchdown songs, would have no idea. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. Um, not, not hearing those anytime soon. No, we are not. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. And I agree. Like, I think if you were to change it um, or if you want to do like a month or two of that, just to kind of freshen things up in the middle of the season when it's January and February and you need a little flair, like I'm for that. Um, I just, for the big moments, for the big goals, I like the song. I hope they don't change it. Um, but I I respect that you like, I I respect that that's your opinion because I like having those, I like those outside the box going against the norm kind of things. Like I was saying four or five years ago, Hey, I think it's time that they get, you know, new home and away jerseys. Um, cause they'd had them for a long time at that point and this and that. And I, during the pandemic, I'd bring it up on the podcast a lot because what the hell else was there to talk about? Um, but I like that. I respect this. I, I think I, I like it, you know, yeah, I disagree, you, but I like it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go against the grain sometimes. And you know, when better to drop that take than like two hours before <laughs> opening night when never, everyone's feeling good and all the, uh, you know, all the all centennial team alums are back in town. This is true. Yes, you dropped it at the uh, the perfect time. That's like that. Have you seen the 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 NHL draft? Uh, someone tweeted that it should be abolished. Uh, like if that was tweeted like two hours before the draft started, like that would I think that would be just the perfect time to kind of light the flame on that. Um, that's another take that I'm like, really? I don't I don't know about that. Um, See that yours yours is a little more I'm realistic. 
I, I guess I'll just get get all these out there, but I also support that one, actually. Really? Yeah. What, I, what's your reasoning in, for that? In in all sports, I would abolish the draft. Uh, it, it The draft rewards the worst teams. And, like, I would rather see, like, if a Connor Bedard's coming up, I would rather see every team be able to make their pitch, offer him contracts, like, have Connor Bedard be able to cash in big time right away, like, have teams bidding on him. Um, which is more, that's obviously more of like a European soccer approach. You know, every league in North America, it's like recruiting. Yeah. Like every league in North America has a draft. So that's all as pro sports fans, that's all we're used to. But yeah, it's comparable to like recruiting for college sports or the way that, um, like European soccer will, you know, basically just have like open bidding wars on players. Um, generally I'm just like pro player empowerment in general so that's kind of where that comes from it'll never happen as long as uh owners have as much control as they do in the nhl so i you know i don't think it's ever i don't expect to happen anytime soon or anytime in my lifetime but yeah for for an out there take though i actually i could get behind abolishing the draft what about like the smaller market teams i've seen a lot of people say that and i and i know you know you could say oh it's like in college hockey for instance right like the big schools are going to get the cole eisermans and the and the james hagans of the world what about you know the smaller schools and you could say well they get the transfer portal so i guess in in your model the smaller schools or not the smaller schools the smaller market teams like arizona and like a columbus would then get they would just have more money to go for free agents. Is that kind of where your thinking lies on that? Yeah. I mean, they'd obviously have to build, build differently and it it would be tougher. There's no doubt about it, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't like salary caps. I don't like, I don't like owners having so much control over just basically trying to create parity, um, which benefits them and benefits like the league commissioner and, and I, I see the argument for it even benefiting fans, right? Like you, you want to believe your team has a chance, even if your owner isn't willing to spend big money. But um, I'm sort of for a world where like players can can just make make what the market will pay them, and not have salaries like so restricted across the board. Because in the NHL right now, it's like no one even makes the maximum of what you could in theory make like, I think right now the maximum that a player could make is like 16 or 16 and a half million. It's like, no one's, no one's even within like $3 million of that, which is insane. Think about like how many max contracts there are across the NBA. Like that's, that's a league where, you know, again, like there's some restriction on it, but the best players are making as much money as they are allowed to make under the NBA CBA. And it's like, it's just crazy that the, in the NHL, it's like, Connor McDavid isn't even close to making as much as he could make under the CBA. So um, I, I think Danny NHL in particular is like extremely slanted against players being able to truly maximize their values. So I support things that would, uh, that would help that, you know, would help them do that. But uh, the owners just have so much power that it's, it's not happening. Well, you look at like Connor Bedard right now and you just you see the uh, the amount that he's on, right? The amount of national TV games. I imagine when the jersey uh, sales come out, he's going to be in the top five, potentially number one or two. Um, you look at the amount of promotion that's around him and it's like, what's he making? Eight, 850K? Like right. 925K? Like 
it's he he does deserve more for what he is providing the league. Um, but am I ready to give up the draft for it? Not quite there yet. Maybe maybe I'm just an older way of thinking and I need to, you know, I need to be enlightened. Maybe we need to talk about this more. But <laughs> this is a hell of an intro to a podcast. We've gone through two crazy hot takes to start. Uh, so we're just we're off and running, Scott. This is great. I know uh, this isn't even usually my style. But yeah, we've you've touched on <laughs> you've touched on two topics that'll bring it out. So <laughs> that's like just immediately from the jump, just like not even easing you in. Like, let's just, you know, let's hammer this out. What do we think of, you know, these top current events? Um but one thing I want to hit on, and it's not, again, this isn't super Bruins related. People are probably punching their steering wheels like, get get to the Bruins, get to the point. The draft doesn't even matter for the Bruins, who do, currently don't have a first uh, or second round pick unless they're, uh, unless they're going to be in the, uh, unless they're in the top 10, then I guess they get their pick back. But uh, I don't foresee that being the case this year. Uh, one guy who's been in the news quite a bit lately is Connor Garland, uh, uh, right winger from uh, Vancouver. He's always been a guy linked back here because he's from Situate. So, of course, Bruins got to get every local guy they can. Now, the Bruins have not been mentioned in the Garland sweepstakes at all. I, I have yet to see their name pop up at all through it. So there's no links. But there are lots of people saying the Bruins got to bring him back, the, or bring him back to Boston. The Bruins got to get him in uh, as in their top six. And even though there's a case to be made that you could use an extra top six winger, I'm not really in on this. Uh, where are you on the Connor Garland stuff? So depending on the cost, I think they should I think they should at least be poking around because I do think this team, I do think the Bruins have a, a need on wing. Um, you know, being able to add Potra to the lineup if he sticks past nine games and bumping Geeky over to the wing, like that helps. But it, I've kind of thought for a while that like this team is still a top six wing short because I think James Van Reems like at this point in his career is ideally a third liner on, on a really good team. Morgan geeky, I think is probably going to be ideally a bottom six forward, even though, you know, Thursday night he's on a line with Patra and Brad Marshan, which looks like the second line. Yeah. I, by the way, we're recording this before the game Thursday night. We're not recording yeah, this so. at 1 a.m. on Thursday. So we're recording this prior. Yeah, this is afternoon. Game has not happened yet. So, so, I so maybe those maybe those lines that. lasted through the game. Maybe they didn't. You never know with Jim Montgomery. Um, <laughs> Who knows? But I I don't see Geeky sticking that high in the lineup long term. So, yeah, I would be open to potential upgrades on the wing. The problem is obviously that, you know, the Bruins are already cap strapped. So it would have to be a hockey trade. You're probably looking at trading a defenseman. Uh, that's been the rumor that the Canucks are, want a defenseman. But then they just went out and traded for Mark Friedman from uh, Pittsburgh. So did that did that address their need? Do they still want another defenseman? And obviously the names you look at would be Matt Grizzlick, Derek Forbort. No idea if there's interest on the Canucks end in, in those guys. Um, but again, I think it's worth poking around. It's it would be hard for me to see how it actually works out for the Bruins right now. It seems like something that they, you know, explore later in the season towards the trade deadline if Garland were still available then. But all the reporting, you know, from your Elliot Freemans of the world is that the Canucks want to get this done sooner rather than later. So if someone else pounces and there's been other teams mentioned, you know, Columbus, Nashville have popped up. If someone else is going to go get him now, then, you know, he's not going to be there for the Bruins. I, I don't see them 
being the team that pounces on it right now. Yeah, realistically, I don't see this happening now, should it? I. That's where, like, again, if it was a Grizzlick for Garland deal, because even if, let's say you did, let's say, I, I don't think that gets it done, but let's say it's Grizzlick for Garland, right, straight up. Is Lowry ready to come in and be an every night defenseman for you in, in a third pairing role? I don't think he's quite there yet. I still think you want him to have time in Providence. Um, are you throwing Zaboral in there? I mean, again, Grizzlick right now is in your top four and is fine. I mean, he's not, you know, doing anything crazy, but he's holding his own and he's with, with McAvoy, a solid top four defenseman. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so, I mean, is that worth giving up to put Garland in the top six? I don't know. I, I hesitate to do that. Um, I agree with you in the sense that I don't think geeky sticks up there. Van Riemsdyk, again, past his prime. I don't know if you want him in there. You know, especially if you're going to be a playoff team, I don't know if that's the guy you want in your top six. I mean, do you foresee Frederick going up there? Do you move a coil to the wing? Like, that is a problem I think this team's going to have to address, and we're going to kind of hit on this in a second, of like, what do you do in your top six? This would obviously balance it out. The only way I could see it happen, the only way I would be okay with it, and first, we're gonna. Before I get to that, I want to have a little word from our sponsor. So I got to tease it a little bit before we get to before we get to that. So quick, a first word, a first a word from our sponsor. All right, quick second here to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL 21 plus and present in mass hope is here first online real money wager only $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support play it smart from the start gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 all right, now back to the conversation. So I, I don't think this is what Vancouver wants, but if it was something like a Lysel for a Garland, again, you mentioned it has to be a hockey trade because of the cap, but in a perfect world, if it could be like a Lysel for a Garland, I would be more open to that. Um, because again, I think that that's, you're hoping Fabian Lysel gets to Connor Garland's level in the future. Um, and, you know, again, Lysel's coming off kind of a rough camp, uh, not the greatest year last year. I don't foresee that happening. Again, I don't think he, he, he realistically, I don't think he comes here, um, just given the other teams involved and what they have to trade. But Lys if you did a Lysel for Garland straight up, I don't know. What do you think of that? I'd be hesitant. I, you know, I think my expectations for Lysel have been, lowered a little bit, but not so much that 
you know, that I'm viewing him as like a second tier prospect or anything. Like I still think he's a pretty high end prospect. And I, if I'm the Bruins, I still want to see what he does this year in the AHL and see if, you know, if he, he had a really strong first half of the season last year. Right. And then he faded down the stretch and had a tough world juniors. I want to see if he can start playing like the player he was the first half of last year and sustain that because if you're trading him right now, it does kind of feel like you're trading a, you know, depreciated asset a little bit. You're selling low. Yeah. And like, I don't really have much interest in doing that for a player who's so young, who was a first round pick. So even though yes, Garland is, you know, a pretty well established middle six, five on five score. Like that's his strength. Um, I'd be hesitant to do that. And again, you've kind of touched on it, but like, if you're the Bruins, I just think the timeline's not going to match up if the Canucks want to do something right away because the Bruins are, I think they want to see how some things play out. You want to, first off, you want to see if Potra's going to stick past nine games. You want to see how Lori does down in Providence. And, you know, is he going to be ready for a call up 15 games into the year or 50 games into the year? Like that changes the calculations on whether you're willing to trade a Grizzly or forward. So, I think the Bruins will be more active in the trade market towards the trade deadline, assuming that they're a playoff team in contention. Um, Right now, I think you're going to see them wait things out and and see how they go. So that may very well take them out of the running for Garland. I I think the good news is that there does always tend to be more wingers available than, than centers and, and top four caliber defensemen. So you know, yeah, it's tempting to sit there and say they should go after Garland, he'd be a good fit, all this. But I think come February, March, there will be another Garland-esque player who's on the market. And you can, whether it's a rental, someone with term, whatever it might be, like, you can target that player then if you need to. I also, like, the other reason I'm not super in on dealing for Garland, and I think it stretches across trades in general, is... They've they they can't be trading away futures, um, you know, or pro, you know high end prospects quite yet. Um, you know, again, Lysel had a down camp. If you really wanted to do the one for one, I could maybe get around to it. But again, I'm not ready to deal big time prospects, future draft picks for this roster because there's so much you hit it. There's so much we don't know about this roster, and I think you know you look at guys like you know Van Riemsdyk. Geeky. I mean, there's there, you know, he's in the top six Thursday night. We'll see what he looks like. Um, I think he's a little slow. Uh, I know there is some upside there and I am curious to see if he hits it. Uh, We won't know if he hits it or not if they go out and deal for a guy like Garland. So, um, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And I'm not like... My outlook right now is I'm not even at the point of like, oh, they need to go all in at the deadline. Like this we're months away, but it would not surprise me if they had a quiet deadline because, you know, the team they've got. We'll see, you know, so um, you hit there a little bit. Uh, Patra, 
I want to talk to you about Patrick because you and I have not had to, we've not discussed him yet, at least publicly. I don't know if we have in the press box or anything, but um, I try publicly. not to talk to you, Evan. So <laughs> probably not. No, just... We try to save our conversations for this. Um, my mom, who listens to this, is going to be like, "Does Scott really not want to talk to you?" Why <laughs> um, he's a bro, he's a real dick, um, and I'll say he is. It's crazy. Um, Patra, what have you thought of him through camp, through the first few games, uh, and what is your sort of outlook on him going into this West Coast trip? Yeah, he he looks like a player who. So far, it's not shown me anything to suggest that he doesn't belong or that he can't handle it. The, the playmaking and the poise of the puck is obvious, and people see that, you know, with the assist he had on opening night where he pulls up, makes a nice pass over to Carlo. Like, that stuff is very obvious and easy to see, but it's all the little things that he's doing. Well, You know, Jim Montgomery's highlighted his, his puck support, the way he just is always in the right position for his teammates to – help them win battles, to help dig out a puck, to be the outlet when someone else digs out the puck. Um, he's gone to the net front and stopped there, and he's he's a smaller player. Like, he's, you know, he's going to take a beating there, but he's been willing to do it, and that's been a big point of emphasis from Montgomery this year is, you know, he not – for point shots from the point, he wants not one but two forwards at the net front, and Patra's been one of those guys pretty consistently when he's been out there. Um He's getting power play time in the second unit, and we've seen him, you know, more so in preseason, but we've seen him make some plays out there on the power play too. Like that really plays to his strength in terms of him being able to have time and space to survey the ice. So, um, yeah, you're seeing a lot of good things for him, and he, he looks to me like a, like a player who's going to stick around, and I think moving him up to a line with Marshand is, is smart. One, I think – you would want to see him in a role like that before you make your final decision anyways at that nine, 10 game mark. But two, it just feels like a, you know, with all due respect to like Trent Frederick and Morgan geeky, who are perfectly fine players and have some finishing Frederick, especially, you know, you give a playmaker like Patra a Marshand, and I think it raises your offensive ceiling and, you know, creates more, it allows more of his chances to be finished with goals and not go by the wayside. And that feels like the optimal way to use him. Um, and the op- honestly, like the optimal way to use Marshan because so far through the first two games that Marshan called the brusque line was being used really more as like a shutdown matchup line. And they were doing a good job of that. But as a result, they weren't really getting as many offensive chances and spending as much time in the Ozone as you would like Martian and DeBrusque to spend there. Like those are two of your most talented wingers. You want them at that end of the ice getting scoring chances. So I think this whole lineup shuffle helps kind of strike a better balance and it gives Patra a more talented winger. It puts Martian into some more offensive situations. So it's going to be really interesting to see. And, if he, if he does well there, you know, he was doing well in the third line. If he does well here, it's like, you know, their mind may be, might end up being made up before they even get to nine games. Like, he's he's not giving them any reason to send him back. He's just so smart. I mean, you just can see it. You you know, you, you hit it on some of the, uh, you know, always in the right position for his teammates, supports the puck well, uh, good in his own zone. Like, he... He's a Bruins center like that is a that is a Boston Bruins center. And I think, you know, uh, you know, 
you look at guys like Marshan, DeBrusque, those guys with the loss of Bergeron, Krejci, Bertuzzi, Hall, those guys have to, you need them producing at five on five. And uh, Charlie Coyle is terrific. He's an outstanding defensive center, puck possession center, um, great shutdown guy, a, a really good shutdown guy. And I think he'll still kind of stay in that role uh, with Van Riemsdyk and Frederick. Cause again, I think that that's a third line to me that I think if you're contending for playoffs and contending for a cup, that's a good solid third line to have uh, in Van Riemsdyk, Coyle and Frederick, but you need Martian and DeBrusque producing. And we have not, we're not sold yet on Coyle producing with those guys. There hasn't been much through, obviously, the first two games. I know it's only been two games, and it's the first two games of the season, but I just think Patra's playmaking ability and his offensive abilities and just his overall skill mesh better with, with those two. Now, obviously, he's got Geeky on his right still, uh, last I checked, um, for Thursday night's game. So, again, we'll see how that plays out and if Patra can unlock some offense with Geeky. Um next to Marshan, but I think in a perfect world, like I would love to see, you know, Patra potentially between a Marshan and a DeBrusque. Um, because I, I just, I think kind of an all offensive line like that would be solid. And I think we probably will see it. Montgomery will con- continue to shift these lines around. I don't think these, this top six is close to being set in stone. It's too early for that. There's too many question marks. Um, I mean, overall the five on five scoring, you know, what is it? Two goals in two games. Um, so nothing great there. Um, but I mean, San Jose, LA, Anaheim, Chicago coming up, you have three out of four of those games are really good chances, uh, to get going. By the way, San Jose, what a roster. Oh my God. (laughs) That is is barren. Uh, Hello, uh, Macklin Celebrini or Cole Iserman. Like this, this, this roster is awful. And if they've, they've played three games so far and, you know, prior to this Bruins game, through their first three games, they were getting outshot by an average margin of 42 to 20. That's it's incredible. Like, it's like laughably <laughs> awful. Um, the funny – we'll continue. I was just going to say, one last thing on Patrick too is he's just going to keep getting better defensively too because he played a completely different defensive system in Guelph. So, you know, the way the Bruins play, like what he was doing in Guelph was a lot more kind of – straight line aggressive and you know just like everyone coming back to the puck and didn't have as many layers didn't have as many handoffs in the d zone and like the more he learns all that stuff he's just gonna look better and better this episode is brought to you by pepsi wild cherry pepsi wild cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 100%. And I, I, I just, my only hesitation with him is just the injury element of it. Um, he, you know, he has no problem going to dirty areas, no problem kind of taking a beating. You saw uh, Jeremy Lozon kind of smush him up against the glass and at the end of that game against Nashville. And he, there was a play where he, it was a power play and it, Geeky kind of had to tell him like, hey, go to the, you know, go to the high slot. You know, I'm in front of the net. And he was kind of winced over and he went back to the bench like that. Again, I assume he's fine, but I think that's the only hesitation of like, can he sustain 
82 games of this. I think he can. I think he's smart enough to get out of those situations and not always put himself in the position to get killed. Um, but again, I think it's just something to keep an eye on. I think he sticks. I, I, I think he sticks. I just think he's been too good through two games. And I think he's only, as you said, I think he's only going to get better. Um, and it's a godsend, by the way. <laughs> it's a freaking godsend uh, to this team. Um, you mentioned, it's funny, you mentioned San Jose, little aside, you know, if they do get Celebrini in this draft, you got Will Smith and Macklin Celebrini as your number one and two centers down the middle for the future. That's, that's pretty good. That's not too bad. That is not bad at all. Yeah. Th- does that make uh Thomas Hurdle available in a potential trade again? He's finally coming to yeah. Boston. He's <laughs> finally coming to Boston. It's finally, it's finally happening. Thomas Hurdle to Boston. Just like we talked about years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's gonna This trip's interesting. Again, I'm also curious to see what LA is like. Um, not the city, the team. I've seen the city. I will not be there for those games, but, uh, you know, I'm curious to see PL Dubois and that whole new refined team. So I'm interested in it. Yeah. And, you know, from the, from the Potter's perspective, like LA will be a really good test because he's going to be facing a good center no matter what line he's matched up again. Like, the Kings are as deep at center as any team in the NHL with Dubois, Kopitar, um, you know, Dano. Like, it's... So, there, there's no easy matchup. There's no hiding anyone, which which is good. Like, you, you want... The Bruins have sort of, like, a weird early season schedule, and they're not... They're not facing too many of the deepest teams in the league, but that that'll be a good test. Really good test, and I'm curious to see how it works out. Uh, and Scott, before you head out, uh, what can the people look forward to from you? I know you have the Skate Podcast, you have consistent content. What can the people kind of look forward to? Uh, just, yeah, more more coverage. We're doing three Skate Pods a week, so... Uh, That's people, wild. <laughs> yeah, people, people can check those out. Uh, consistent coverage off, you know, every game. Lots of off-day stuff, too, on wei.com so yeah all the, all the good stuff there all the fixings well scott i appreciate you coming on love to have you on again uh and that has been this episode of bruins beat i'm evan marinovsky bruins beat listeners have a great rest of your week